0: Thank you. Come on, let's give God a great big hand. So, so good to be with you all. Amen. I hope you're having a great day, and it's about to get better. Here we are, kicking off a new uh, a series uh, the next several weeks, looking at the core culture of the early church and what we can learn from that in today's day and age. I like. Let me let me just try with with core like this. How many of you have ever eaten an apple? how many of y'all, when you get to the core, you know it, right? And how many of y'all know that the core of the apple is significant for the reproducing of apples? So the the core is very important. So at the core is what you want reproduced. The core is very, very important. Now, let me say to you another way. Now, how many of y'all remember back in the day? Now, as soon as you remember back in the day, you know, that's a long time ago. Come on. Yeah, that there were there were three basic exercises we did for a strong core. Now, we know in our day and age now, everybody needs a strong core. You need It helps you, protects your back. It protects the body, right? And, and we, the church, are referred to as the body of Christ. So if we wanna be a strong body of Christ, then we need to make sure we have a strong core. And there were three basic exercises. There were push-ups, sit-ups, and jumping jacks. How many of y'all remember jumping jacks? Uh, does anybody do jumping jacks anymore? I don't know, that may, may be a, uh, yeah, yeah, there we go. But yeah, there's, there's three basic things that you did to have a strong core. There's the three basic things you did. Now in today's day and age, I don't know if you've gone to a health club or fitness club lately, but like when you walk in, there's all the machines. You know what I'm talking about? How many of y'all walk in there and you're intimidated by all the machines? And how many of you walk out and say, I never going there again, come on, yeah. Because we don't know how all the extras work, but basically they're all doing the same thing. They're just working different parts of our body to help us be strong and protect our body from from injury. So as we, as Jesus' church, learn about a strong core, what we're saying is this is what we want to be reproduced, this is what's important, and so we're gonna look at the Bible, we're gonna read to you today out of Acts chapter two, and and Pastor Nick, this is one this is one of his favorite texts, his favorite chapters to read about today. So thanks for letting me do this today. I'm, I, did I do it justice earlier today, more than okay. Come on. And so so I'm going to talk about the early church in Acts chapter two, and then we're going to jump to Second Corinthians eight and see more about the apostles' teaching today. So when I talk about the early church, I'm not I'm not speaking about the 9 a.m. service. Okay they just met earlier today but that's not the early church the early church is right after jesus ascended into heaven the early early church like the one 2000 plus years ago okay so this is what they this is what they were committed to during that time here that day in verse 41 about 3000 took him at his word they took the apostle peter the apostle peter preached a message they all responded they said they said yes i want jesus christ to be the forgiver of my past a leader to my future, they began a relationship. So they 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 took him at his word, okay, and they signed up. Now, how many of y'all have signed up to be a follower of Jesus? How many of y'all? Now, how many of y'all realize though that when you signed up, you didn't know all that was involved? Just like those who signed up for the military, when they signed up, they did not know everything involved. Am I right or wrong? Those people, yeah. Come on. But you know you learn it as you go because there's a culture that wants to be reproduced in the military. There's a culture that wanted to that that God wanted to be reproduced here in the early church. So they signed up here and they committed themselves to the apostles teaching, then life together, the common meal and prayers. So they were committed to the apostles teaching. What I'm going to communicate to you today is the apostles teaching. We're gonna just uncover just some of it, not all of it, but some of it, okay? So they, they committed to a relationship. What, the Word of God, they committed themselves to prayer, and then life together. That's what we see here. Now, now, also, I wanna just press pause for a second and invite all of you to come to what we call Growth Track next next Sunday. Next Sunday, a week from today, we're gonna to be gathering together at our North Braddock campus, And we're gonna be moving people along systematically in a growth track, learning about who Jesus is, learning about the word of God, learning the basics of forgiveness, learning basic doctrines, and learning how we can practically live for Jesus on a regular basis. We want to help you learn these basic things. You can sign up with that QR code. You can sign up. We need you to sign up because we're gonna feed you. We're gonna feed you not only the word of God, but we're going to help you grow. How many of y'all want to grow in Jesus? Come on. Grow to be more like him. Okay, this is for you. Okay, so just like they committed themselves in the early church to the teachings, we still do that now. Okay, I want you to see that. That's a core culture principle. We're continuing to learn. Let's read on here in verse 43. And everyone around was in awe yeah, everybody was like, what on earth is going on? This is awesome. All those wonders and signs done through the apostles. There's there was healing and there's miraculous things going on. And all the believers lived in a wonderful harmony, holding everything in common. They sold whatever they owned and pulled their resources so that each person's need was met. This was a community of people that they were, their their resources. Now they realized my resources aren't my resources. They belong to God. Okay, my time, my talent, everything about every resource I have. It really doesn't, I don't own it. God does because God owns me. Jesus paid the price, the ultimate price for my life. His his shed blood on the cross here. And then in verse 46, and they followed a daily discipline of worship in the temple, followed by meals at home, every meal a celebration, exuberant and joyful, as they praised God. People in general, I just really like how this says this, in the message translation here. People in general liked what they saw. They liked it. And then God added to their number daily, those people who are getting saved. Saved is the word, another word that we use for crossing the bridge, beginning a relationship with Jesus, asking him to be the forgiver of your past and leader to your future. We're saved from eternal damnation. I think that's pretty important. But now let's see, most people come to church and they, they actually come back because they like what they saw. Not too many people say, I don't like that place, think I'll go back. Not too many people say that. We come back because they like what they saw, a culture of people that belong to God in such a way that they're living it out on a practical basis now, and they like what they see, and it's like, I want to be a part of that culture, okay? So we, God's people, we are now reproducing the core culture that we see in the early church in the New Testament recording of the early believers. What did they commit themselves to? How did they live their lives? That's how we want to live our lives, okay? That's why we're inviting you to Growth Track. That's why we're inviting you to these things. This is why it's so important. So here it is. Here's the big idea. The big idea is this. A core Christian culture is based on a people who offer their lives to God. Isn't that what we did this morning in in, in worship? Didn't we offer our lives to God? How many of you needed reminded of something that we sang this morning? I, I did. Come on, that God is good. Let there be joy. How many, I, I need reminded. You know why? Because I forget. I forget, but I need reminded. We don't do worship as an opening act for the preaching. We do worship to help set our minds on the things of God, help set our minds on him, remembering who he is and his greatness and goodness. Okay, so we offer our lives to God. Then a core Christian culture is based on offering our lives one to another. We do that in small groups. We do that in serving. I offer my life to other people, not just like the things I do, but no, my very life my very core i want to offer to you and and we exchange life together isn't that exciting that's that, that i think that's why pastor nick loves like like talking about family and community because we share one another we share our lives with one another but this last one here we offer their resources to god for others now did you see in the text they offered their lives to god then they offered their lives for meals common meals sharing sharing and things and then their resources weren't their own, they belonged to God. Doesn't that sound like a culture you'd like to be a part of? Really, doesn't it? I mean, that sounds like a good culture. I I, I wanna be a part of that. I wanna be every part of that, not just just the easy parts there. So now, I wanna go to the Apostle Paul's teaching, just like they committed to in Acts. They committed to the Apostle's teaching. Now we are gonna commit to the Apostle's teaching and see what, what this means as a core culture here. Now in 2 Corinthians, what does 2 Corinthians mean? This is the second letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to a place called in Corinth that had Corinthians there, okay? That's why it's Corinthians. Now this is, actually there's evidence that there's two more letters that are not part of the Bible, okay? That that, that didn't, whether they weren't recorded or whether they didn't meet the specificity, of being involved in the Bible, but there were two other ones actually, actually written. So the first letter that the apostle Paul writes, writes this is shortly after Jesus ascends into heaven. He he addresses some problems in the church. Number one, there were quarrels and cliques. Oh, pastor, never. Yeah, there were quarrels and cliques in the church and they were arguing over who was better and who was this follower and who was that follower and who's this and who's that. Yeah, they, they really were. There was uh there was sexual sin found in the church. Somebody was bragging about having sex with his stepmother. Literally, that's in the Bible. Okay, this is what he was addressing here. Sexual issues that were in the pro, in the church. Problems with communion. There were there were people that weren't doing communion in a way that was honoring God. Rich people didn't want to have eat meals with poor people and poor not with rich. And they were arguing over the the resurrection of the dead. Are you tracking me here? There's all these problems. I don't know if you realize this or not, but we wouldn't have most of the Bible if it weren't for the addressing of problems in the Bible. What I'm trying to say is if you have problems, the Bible's for you. See, most of the time we read the Bible in the sense that it's a perfect book for perfect people. And really, most of it's written because people are messed up and they're screwing up, and they're not living quite the right way, and they're addressing things that are helping us be more Christ-like. How many of you want the person sitting next to you to be more Christ-like? Be careful. Yeah. Okay. There we go. Yeah. Couple of you. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so all these problems. So Second Corinthians, Paul writes the first letter, and they send it, and it's almost like he's. These are my words. It's almost like he's frustrated. The letter. I'm telling you, I'm I, I'm preaching the power out again. Come on, somebody. And so it's like like the Apostle Paul is saying, like you didn't really take the first letter real serious. So he spends seven chapters, what we know as chapters, as he's writing, defending his apostolic authority. And then there's this there seems to be this offering that money that they were going to send to Jerusalem that he brings up in his letter. Okay so I'm trying to give you context to understand what this what these verses are really about okay so so here we find 2 Corinthians chapter 8 he says we want you to know brothers about the grace of God everybody say grace of God, grace God. yeah that has been given among the churches say among the churches The grace of God is given among the churches of Macedonia for in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. Now, grace, this word grace is so, so important here. Grace is the unmerited, unearned, undeserved favor of God. It is an empowering word the church is an empowering place. That's what the church is. In ekklesia is the Greek word for church here. And what that means is that means those who belong to God. That's the church, those who belong to God. So the culture of Jesus' church should represent the empowerment of God. The, you're being empowered right now. Never, ever, never, ever, ever, never, never ever, never, ever, ever. Use the word grace saying, oh, there's grace. You don't have to do that. There's grace. You don't have to forgive. There's grace. You don't need to do that. That's in the Bible. Oh, there's no, no, no. Grace empowers us. Grace fills us. Grace allows us to accomplish God's will. How many of y'all want to accomplish God's will in your life? Come on. I do. So we need grace in order to do that because we belong to God and we create a culture, church culture, that belongs to God. So people, when they look at us at Bridge City Church in White Oak, they, in general, they should like what they see. So the Macedonians here, they were in basically northern Greece, Philippi, Athens, Berea. Corinth was in the south part. The south part was prestigious and wealthy. The Macedonians, it was a war-torn place. It was uh, a lot of destruction, a lot of chaos, a lot of poverty. There was there was literally a conflict uh, between Macedonia and Corinth. It would be like, we're Corinth. And the Macedonians would be like those in Cleveland. If you're from Cleveland, I apologize already. I, I just, you know, I'm just, I'm just trying to use an illustration here. Like, what I'm trying to say is there are two different cultures with two different football. I mean, two different cultures and two different cities. Okay, like, like so. Th- I'm, I'm trying to paint a picture here for you. The Macedonians were in a, in, 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 in poverty. Corinthians were wealthy. And so the apostle Paul is communicating something here that listen, by the grace of God that's found in the church, Jesus's church should have the grace of God in it. That's what we should, that's what we should, we we should have. So the Macedonians, check this out. The, I'm trying to give you context because you got to understand this context here. The Macedonians were this. Let's check this out here. They were tested with affliction, they were abundant in joy, they had extreme poverty but they were over the top, overflowing with generosity. What I'm trying to tell us is this. Being generous doesn't have to do with how much is in your bank account or how many things you own. Generosity comes from God to those who have offered their lives to God. What's most important? Offering our lives to God, right? I offer my life to God. Then I offer my life to to one another. Jesus builds his church. And then together, we offer our resources to God for other people. There are people here today, I don't know how long you've been coming to Bridge City Church, but they have given a lot of their resources so we could be here today. No, you see, we, we don't think of it in those terms. They've, they've given joyfully and generously so that we could have what we have today. This is the culture of of, of our church that's so vitally important here. But this equation doesn't seem to work out right. Tested with affliction, abundant joy, extreme poverty, overflowing with generosity. Whose idea was this? I have had the opportunity to be in other countries that have 90% unemployment, who eat the same thing if they have anything at all to eat. Day after day after day after day after day, that when it comes to offering time, they just they stand up and shout and they're so joyful to have something to give. See, see, generosity doesn't have to do with how much, it has to do with your heart. I've offered my life to God. He owns everything. See, you came to church owning a house and a car, and you're leaving here owning nothing. Because it all belongs to God. Like when I belong to God, everything I have is God's. Everything I have is God's. That's what we were singing about. God's a good God and all that I have is yours. Everything and through the fire and through the storm, I'm gonna trust you and I can trust you because God is worthy of our trust. Is he worthy of your trust? See, this is the apostles teaching here. We're empowering people to trust God, but you know what? We all focus on what we don't have. Am I the only one? I was. Um, Pastor Eric was driving me to the office this week, and we were. I had this message in, in my heart and in my head, and he was. We were just talking. Oh, what are you going to do? It was Thursday. What are you going to do tomorrow, Friday? What are you going to do this week? I says, Oh my goodness! I said, we, we got to go shopping. And he says, oh, I says, I says we, don't, we don't have anything in our house to eat. How many of y'all have heard that? How many of y'all have said that? Yeah, I literally said it. came out of my mouth. I said, we have nothing to eat in our house. Nothing. And then, I, like, about a mile down the road, I'm starting to get convicted. And I said, you know what? I think I might have lied. I said, I, I started doing an inventory of, of just what I knew we had at home. And I said, you know, we have some noodles at home. I said, but you know what? We don't have butter. We don't have any butter for the buttered noodle. And he looked at me and he said, do you have olive oil? And I said, yeah. He says, do you have a little bit of Parmesan cheese? I said, yeah. And he said, well, you got you got dinner. <laughs> you do have something. See, I am I am programmed just like you to focus on all the things I don't have rather than what I do have. And as I started looking around the house, I said, you know what? I said, I bet you we could go at least two weeks just with what I have in the house. Even though we don't have any Italian sweet cream for the coffee, which we all know is a necessity. Come on. That's a necessity. I mean, how can you live? How can you serve Jesus without that? But but we all focus. Our natural inclination is to go to what I don't have. I don't have talent. I can't sing or play like the worship team or I can't do this right? I can't be a usher. I can't work in kids. I don't, I can't, I don't have enough. And I'm telling you, when we meet Jesus Christ and we offer our lives to God, he is the difference maker. He's the difference maker. Do you believe that? Listen, this is a divine encounter with God we're talking about here. My dad, um, he grew up close to, here. he actually grew up in Portview. And then when he was school age, he moved to North for sales. Actually, he grew up right up the street here at the corner of 48 and 30. That's where he grew up. And and uh my, my mom and my wife Natalie's mom grew up in Turtle Creek. And uh her dad grew up in Duquesne. My our, our, our fathers were both they worked in a steel mill, blue collar workers all their all their life worked in the in the mill. And uh and they uh they we learned a blue collar, pick yourself up by your bootstraps, protect yourself, work hard. Is that getting me? We we grew up with that, and I don't think we realize sitting here today in White Oak or in in, in all the surrounding communities, we naturally have a blue collar. We can make it happen. Work ethic. Am I right? I um, mean, we and we like them stealers. So we have a. We have a, a McKeesport mindset. We have a, we have a Mon Valley mindset. And we don't realize it creeps in, which is don't trust authority. You gotta protect yourself. If you don't look out for you, nobody else will. But when we come to Jesus, we step into a new kingdom. I've offered my heart to God. I can trust him now. I can honor him. This is a relationship where I honor him. He is worthy of trust. He is worthy of honor. But this takes See when we signed up, we didn't know this was going to be this was going to be the learning curve. Am I right? There's an there's an issue that we learn to trust day by day, week by week, learning to trust him as I offered to God my life and then I offer myself to others, I get hurt. And a sign that we're healed is we're willing to be hurt again. I've just thrown out. Somebody needs that this morning. That we we offer our, our lives to even one another, but we get hurt. And, the, and a sign that we're getting healed is that we're no longer, I'm willing to be hurt again. I'm willing to trust and allow somebody to hurt me again. That's a sign of healing. I, I, listen, I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to help somebody here today learn the grace of God learning the empowerment of Jesus here. But I learned these things in the natural, but now I need to unlearn them because I'm in a new kingdom. I'm in a new culture. I've offered to God my life. I've offered him everything. This is this, His name is at stake. I know a lot of people worried about their name, but what about the name of Jesus? His name. That's the one I'm, I'm concerned at. That's the one I wanna learn. That's the one I want to belong to. Let's read on here in verse three. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. There was an offering that they were receiving for the saints in Jerusalem. And they said they were going to do something and now they need to finish it here. And this... Not as we expected, but here it is. Here it is. You got to catch this. They gave themselves first to the, first to the. So what do we do? We offer our lives first to God, and then they offer to, they offer themselves to us to one another. Are you seeing that there? That's verse five. So we offer ourselves first to God, and then to one another. Okay, but then there's this this, this giving process that they learn here. This is it. The process of Macedonian giving. They gave according to their means. Then they gave above their means. Then they gave of their own accord. It was just willingly themselves. I give my talent. I want to give my talent to serve. I want to give my talent for the greater good. I I give of my life. This is core culture. This is what we, we reproduce. That it's not a one-man show. Aren't you happy the church isn't a one-man show? Yeah, I I expected a really big amen on that one. I expected like, yeah. Yeah. But they gave enthusiastically. They gave joyfully. They were begging for the opportunity to do it here. That's what this means here. That's how they were giving. See, See, look at this. We all start with what do we have? I have a talent. I can give it. I can give it to God. Then I want to give above their means. See, when we give above our ability, God blesses us beyond our ability. But then, there you go. We'll come back. Excellent. And then give of their own accord. But they gave enthusiastically. These verses say that they begged for an opportunity to give. Rather than being known as the church that begs for money, why don't we be known for the church that the people are begging for opportunities to give? That's what they're saying here. It was like, no, you gotta receive it. You gotta get it. You have to, I want an opportunity to give of my life. Matter of fact, pastor, if you don't inconvenience my life, I'm gonna find somebody else who will. I want to be inconvenienced. I want to use my gift. I want to use who I am. I want to offer to God my life. I want to be challenged. I want to grow. Isn't that the culture that we're looking for? Isn't that? See, I want to be so clear as this, is that when we, we receive an offering, say, hey, we're going to honor God today. We worship God with our offering, whether it's your tithes or your extra offerings, no matter what it is, that if we said, this is how we're going to give today, you're gonna go out, you're gonna go out the front door. You're gonna cross Route 40 48. You're gonna walk through the crick. And somewhere between 50 to 100 feet up on the other side of the hill, there's a giving kiosk with a with a basket there. That's how we're gonna to give today. I, I see the joy of giving should be like, oh, this will be fun. Baby, get the kids. Let's go. <laughs> No, see that, that's that's the joy of giving. That's the joy of like, oh, you mean we get to be inconvenient? Oh, I, if that's how we're going to do it, count me in. No, that, did, that, did that strike joy in you or fear? Like, uh, how's Pastor Nick going to receive the offering today? That's what we. We're sending Lennon. Lennon, go up there. Here's our card. Yeah, yeah. Put this in the black, but yeah, black box up there. Put it in there. Yeah. Come on. Are, are you with me? See, that's what they were doing in Corinth. I beg you for the opportunity. That's what Macedonian, they were begging for an opportunity to give. Let my life be used. Let everything about me. That's the culture that people see, a a group of people not living for themselves, but living for a greater purpose. That's the thing that people see. That's what they enjoy. That's what they're looking for here. That's how we're going to give. Now, how many of you ever went to a, a graduation party or a wedding? Ever in your whole life? Okay, good deal. Now, how many of you know when you go to a graduation party or you go to a wedding, after, the first thing you think about is what kind of cookies are going to be there? Am I right? Yeah, that's the most important thing. I mean, you got to think about the cookies. like, And will I be able to take any home? Now, after that, you know going there, you're supposed to take a gift. Am I right? You know, I'm I'm supposed to take something. Something's expected of me. How many of you know that deep down in your heart, you give according to the relationship you have with that person or people? If you barely know them, and like you're just going like I don't know who they are. I just barely know them. They're friends of a friend of a friend who asked me to come. You what you basically think in your head and your heart, <laughs> we got off the hook. We'll throw a few dollars in a card, buy them a book or something. You know, it's like do that. Yeah, a book, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that mean But if you know them very well and you have a relationship with them, what happens in your mind? You give according to the relationship that you have. We all do it. We, You give, like if it's, a, if it's a relative, a cousin, a niece, or a nephew, or somebody you know, you give accordingly, am I right? Because you have a confidence, you have a trust. There's a relationship established there. Now, most of us give in church the same way. We give according to the relationship of offering our lives to God and offering our lives to one another. We give according to that. We either give according to our means, above our means, according to what we do have, gave of our own accord and enthusiastically, or we tip God according to the service he gave us that day. That's how we tend to give. That's how we all do it. And and I'm just trying to be, I'm I'm trying to help you. I I offer to God me. I offer to, to others me. And then I offer my research. They're all God's. That's where it becomes joyful. That's where it, that that's where it becomes good. Verse 6. Accordingly, we urge Titus that as he had started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. Four times in this text here, four times the word grace appears. How many of y'all like to grow in the grace of God? I want to grow in the grace of God. Growing is an empowerment that God wants to give us so we can joyfully give of our lives and we excel in everything in faith and speech and knowledge and all earnestness and in our love for you see that you excel in this joy in this grace also it's grace giving yes we commit ourselves to the word of God i'm giving you i'm just quoting you the, the apostles teaching right now we we prayed earlier We worship together, not in the temple, we are the temple of the Holy Ghost, but we worship together as the house of the Lord. Are you tracking this early culture? It's an empowering place. That's why we're inviting you to come to to Growth Track. That's why we invite you to come to the things. Because we want you to have an opportunity to grow. To be more like Jesus. So that when people look at our lives, they like what they see. And we add people accordingly that's what we do. You know, I've never seen a generous, miserable person. I I don't see it. I don't. I don't see people who give 10%. That's what's called the tithe, giving 10%. I don't ever see them worried about their finances. Because it's a trust relationship with God. I've offered God all my life. The one who I've offered my life, if he can make me if, if, if these things were written that I may know I have eternal life, how much more can he take care of me in this life? It's a trust that we grow in after we sign up. We grow in this relationship. We grow in this trust. That's what we do here. So th- that's what it is. Let me just say this. The Bible works. No, I, I want to say this. I don't think, sometimes we think it's a good alternative, but the Bible works. It works for my marriage, it works for my parenting, it works for me being an employee, it it works for me being a, a good person who lives in the community I live in. It works for every part of my life, it works. Do you know that there are atheists, people who don't even believe in God, who give. You wanna know why? Because the principle still works. I've literally, I've heard people teach, I've heard atheists say, Self-proclaimed atheists say they give generously because it works. Not for just what they get in return, for the joy, for the the something above ourselves, for the offering my life to something else. Unfortunately, they're missing the first two parts. Offering our lives to God, which is joyful. Are you there? That's it. So I want to read to you couple of verses about Jesus in Mark chapter 12 41 Mark 12 41 Jesus sat down near the collection box Isn't it interesting that Jesus sat down near the collection box No I'm serious I I I could just pause there Wow Jesus doesn't you know Why why do you have to talk about money? Why is it no? He sat down near the collection box. He was watching people as they came by and put their offerings in. This is Jesus we're talking about. He was watching. Many rich people put in large amounts. They're just throwing large amounts. Then a poor widow came. A poor widow. And she dropped in two coins. Some translations say that they were worth about one eighth of a penny each they were pennies or one eighth of a penny whatever it was it wasn't much this is this isn't a parable this is this is an account of Jesus here actually if you look at the Greek word they're called two mites m-i-t-e-s mites that's what they, that's what the, the, the equivalent was she threw in two mites everybody here has two mites I might give, I might not. Might serve, might not. <laughs> I might worship, I might not. So everybody here got two mites. Let's just give them all up for God right now. Come on, yeah. Everybody got mites. Everybody got a little mite left in them. Come on. So she threw it in. Listen, look at the red letters that Jesus says. He calls his disciples, the followers. He says, hey guys, come here, come here. I tell you the truth. This poor widow, this poor widow has given more than all the others making wealthy contributions. Huh? For they gave a tiny part of their surplus. They gave a tiny part of their surplus. But she, as poor as she is, has given everything she had to live on. Everything. There's really only been one time I can honestly say that Natalie and I we 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 gave pretty much everything we had away. Food-wise and everything. We just gave it. I mean we had a few things at home, I'm not gonna lie, but but it was like that was God said to do what he did. It was amazing what happened. People showed up at our house. People who never talked brought us everything back one person by one. We gave away a whole Thanksgiving dinner one time. People showed up and said, here, I don't know, I just, God said you needed this. God said you needed it. It was amazing. So when I say I can trust God like this, it's because I have, it's the experience with God. I've worshipped Him. I've seen Him. I know. Am I getting everything I want from God? Absolutely not. I'm still believing God. How about you? I'm trusting Him. I'm still, there's a lot of things I'm believing God for. But I've offered my life to God. I offer my life to others. And every bit of my resources belong to God. That's why I'm saying this out loud. She's given everything according to what she had. I want to read to you the last couple of verses in 2 Corinthians 8. The Apostle Paul saying, I say this not as a command. Catch that, ah but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. For you know the grace, another time it shows up, of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, and that by you, by his poverty, became rich. This is the deal. Jesus left heaven. He had a pretty good deal in heaven alright he was in heaven no heaven, heaven and he left it which is a pretty rich place he left it to become poor for you and me that we in our poverty can now become rich and in the richness of God and offer our lives to him offer our lives to one another that's why we do next steps. That's why we, we learn to be active and growing parts of the church, so we can see our gifting, develop our gifting. And use it for other people. If you've heard anything helpful to you today, anything helpful to you in your spirit, just stand to your feet. I wanna pray for you as we close up. If you just heard anything, man, that was helpful. That was, I, I understand the word of God, or I, I'm, 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 I'm listening. Lord Jesus, I pray for every person standing right now, Lord God. I pray, Father, that by the grace of God, Lord, you would just help us see our lives in this core culture that you created 2,000 years ago and in our church 40 years ago. Let it still be here today, a people radically in love with Jesus radically in love with serving one another and radically using our resources for others, God. Now, if you're here today and you don't have a time, a moment, or a day that you've offered your your life to Jesus Christ, that's what this is all about. Offering our lives to God. If you don't have a day or a moment where Jesus Christ, where, where He became the forgiver of your past, based on the cross and the leader into your future and you don't have a day where you say Jesus I want to live for you I want to offer you today this is your day November 12th this is your day and so right now in this moment this is the best part right here if you've never offered your life to God but you'd like to today I just want you to do something really joyful I just want you to offer your life to God just just slip up your hand and say, "Yeah, you know, Pastor, that's me. I want to offer my life to God today. I want to offer me to God today. Is there anybody here that says, you know, I just want to offer me. I want to offer my life to God right here, right now. Anybody here today, just say, you know what? I want this grace of God. I want to learn this. I want to experience this joy. Anybody at all? Anybody here today? Thank you, Jesus. Anybody at all? Thank you, God. Lord, I pray, Father, for every one of us here today, God. I ask you, Lord, by the grace of God, that you would help us and help me, Lord God, live for you and serve one another in a radical, radical, great way. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Hey, you can be seated. Pastor Nick's gonna wrap us up. And I just wanna let you know that we have a great book it's uh, available for sale on your way out. It's called Core Culture. And you, cannot, you can pick one up on your way out. I think it's $12, if I recall correctly. $12, simple read, that's going to help us have the core culture in our church. Thanks for being so awesome, Pastor Nick. Take it away. Pastor